Thank you for joining In the Vine Dating Podcast with host Melissa Chavez, where we'll be inviting different guests to answer all of your questions about Christian dating and relationships. And of course, discussing our upcoming dating mixers and events. For more information, you can visit our website at inthevinedating.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to show your support and like, share, and subscribe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to In the Vine Dating Podcast. It is your host, Melissa Chavez. And here with me, I have Shekinah, Yessie, Denise. And today, we're going to be talking about our Monday interview featuring Shekinah. And so before we get into that, though, you ladies have any news you would like to share with us? <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Any random news um, that anybody would like to share? <laughs> yes, actually, I have a really interesting story. And I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Are you guys ready? Bring it. Bring, bring it. it. So this week, there is a woman who stabbed her boyfriend's <laughs> eye with a rabies needle because he was looking at other women. <gasps> <laughs> oh so, is this the right approach not the right approach what are we thinking here <laughs> okay but i think i present a valid question how did she get that rabies <laughs> <laughs> exactly where did yeah, she get that where needle did you get that? Yeah. yeah asking for a friend <laughs> was it was it like the rabies virus like was it contained why are you looking rabies? at me I don't she's know. Was, she's what, what, what happened article? in this news article that's where i want to know where was it was it out, was it out here in california yes actually it was it was i think in los angeles yes. oh and you know what's crazy about this is her name i'm not even going to say it um but it can be anybody's aunt <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I really uh, I'll have to check in with my tia. <laughs> <laughs> right after this, I'm calling all of them. Oh my god! You definitely all fifty of them. Honestly, you should wolf them. Like, like the office, just wolf everyone. Oh, that was great. Okay, we're ready to that go. Was a, that was a fun fact for the week. Not a, not a fun fact, but, you know, fun, and a very interesting little story. That is crazy. Like, did he did he not, like, run away when he saw her, like, chasing her with the needle? Like, how did she get right, right on the eyeball? in the back of her pocket and was like, bam, this is her oh God. That is scary. So, thank you, Denise, for sharing that wonderful piece of information. I feel very, you know... If anybody ever calls me toxic, I'd be like, but have I stabbed you with a rabies needle? You <laughs> yeah. know? That's valid. Exactly. That's valid. That's valid. Very valid. <laughs> Could be a lot you worse. You guys are you know? so funny today. <laughs> today. Today. Okay. <laughs> no, moving on. I feel like, have you guys ever seen this show, um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And then the lights dim and then the music goes, doo 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 doo. That's what I want to happen right now. But I love that show. Yeah, it was really good. Okay. So moving on for the millionth time. Um, so as you guys hopefully have heard by now, the um, the interview that we did with Shekinah. Shekinah, how do you feel that you know you told your story publicly? As I mentioned on before we started filming, I felt like I was doing like that MTV show Diary. <laughs> yeah. It's like you think you know, but you have no idea <laughs> or something like that. What did you? How do you feel? Tell us. Um, I I was nervous. I didn't think I would be, but then we started talking about, um, I did my little clip um, inviting people to watch it, and I was planning on releasing it, like, the day before, mm. and then you were like, okay, release it now, and I was like, 
I'd be doing that a lot. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's a. I was nervous because this is the first time that I've talked about my divorce um, publicly. So um, to have the the interview come out on Monday was uh, interesting for me. But you know what? I've gotten nothing but great feedback from people. Hmm. Um, I've already had people, you know, reaching out, going, "I had no idea. I just know that I love you." So nothing negative has come out of it, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, but it, it just makes it more real, I think, yeah. coming out about it. So there's still that, like, nervousness. Yeah, that's fair. What did you ladies think? I think, um, you, I mean, you guys, you knew that there was a separation, but I don't know if you guys knew the extent of it. How did you respond to that? I'll start with Yossi. <clears throat> I put in the group chat. I was shook. Mm. <laughs> And I and I gave Shekinah a hug right away as soon as I saw her because she deserves it. She deserved a huge one. I was crying um, because you you know that your friend's going through something, and then you obviously want to give them their space and respect, right? Because I remember as it was going on, I was I was texting Melissa, and I'm like, "What do I do? Like, I want to be all over her crying." Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "Well, I mean, do it. Like, you know, like whatever you, it feels you feel like doing in your heart." And I'm and I'm like watching the the interview, right? And I'm like, I just can't believe it, it was to that extent. Like, I mean, we all know the person. The fact that it was hidden like that, like, fooled all of us, you know? Yeah. I, I felt like that. I felt like I, I literally didn't, you would never expect it, ever, you know? So I, I was definitely shocked that you had to go through that. My heart broke that you had to go through that. My heart broke that you had to go through that by yourself and in the sense of not by yourself because you had your community and you had your mentors and you had your family, like you said, but to a certain degree, it, 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 I'm sure it felt like by yourself sometimes. I mean, with God, but yeah, and it and broke my heart that you had to go through that. And you're so strong, Shekinah. Like, I know I put that on social media. I'm like, look at my friend. She's so strong. But I really do mean it. Like, you're incredibly strong for you to still be here, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. Shekinah is super strong. Like, even the fact when she was going through all of that, like, nobody knew the extent of what was going on in the relationship. And so I know seeing that as a friend from kind of from the sidelines, right, was, it was, I don't, I, I don't think I have words for it. Uh, Denise, what was your, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it was definitely a lot to take in. Um, I think the main thing that really, and there's a lot of things that really stood out to me, but um Hearing just the way that you've been carrying it all out, I think that was really inspiring for me as a woman to see that happen. The revelation that you received, because you, you, this, it is in this very broken place. You, you really dug in your heels, even in it like stronger in a new facet into God, right? And so to just hear like the scriptures that came up to you and even what you talked about, like the divorce itself and what the, how the Bible really defines it, that for me was very new. Um, I was like, oh, wow. Like I never had never seen it in that way. So that to me was like extremely profound. Um, I mean, I think to some degree, I kind of knew what was happening just because you and I actually kind of had obviously met and discussed some things, um, paperwork stuff. So um, I think for me, the biggest, I guess, shock of it all was just um, seeing like the trauma, I guess, of it all, like how one person's actions really affects a multitude of people. Yeah. And I think that just keeps being reinforced, right? And just how you, I mean, it's been amazing to see how gracefully you've carried it all. And I know you talked about, like, you've had your weak moments and things of that nature. But despite all of that, like, it's 
amazing to see how God's still being glorified in the midst of that trauma because it's so easy to become bitter, right? And it's so easy to become resentful. And it's so easy, like you can have every reason in the book to like be like, well, screw everybody and their mom right now. And mm-hmm. you've never carried yourself like that. So that to me is really such a testament to your relationship and strength that God, you know, with God. Mm-hmm. And that's very admirable. Yes, completely agree. Awesome. Um, okay. How did you feel about it, Melissa? <laughs> How did I feel about it? I feel like I got to share a little bit during the interview, but um, it was definitely uh, very difficult, right? Because um, I don't know how to fully express it, but it was definitely inspiring to see that just because um, one thing that I, you guys know that like the altar to me is like such a, uh, for all of us, it's such a wonderful place. And so one thing for me, what I noticed about Shekinah is that she never left the altar, right? Like every time I would see her on Sunday, she was always there on her face, just worshiping God. And I know that um, I'm sure some of those moments were very difficult. Um, and I'm sure some of those moments were weakness. And you even shared some thoughts about like um, seeing others, right? And then while you were struggling with this and just asking yourself like, why? Um, I know that that was for me very difficult because, you know, I pride myself in knowing the heart of God and I pride myself in um, searching out the, man of, the, the mind of God. And so when you do that and you still don't have a legitimate answer, I think that can be very difficult um, because then that's where the trust really comes in, right? And so having to trust God for your friends' lives, I think that's very, um, that was hard. Um, so dumb, I don't know, I'm crying. No, no. Um, but even like, um, you know, leading worship at intercession, I mean, not worship, but intercession, there was times where I was praying and um, obviously we're praying for the corporate body, but in, like on the inside of me, I was crying out for you guys, right? Because I'm like, um, just the intercession part, like, thank you for your friends and everything. Like, I think um, that's just the true meaning of like carrying out like each other's burdens, right? And so that to see... Like to see you guys go through that, and again for him too. Like, uh, obviously, there's a different kind of compassion and a different kind of um, love towards him because he, at the end of the day, like he made the decisions himself. But I also wanted to see him win, and I still want him to see him win, right? Because mm-hmm. we're we're angry at the spirit, and we're angry at the brokenness, and we're angry at Satan because the word says that Satan is the one to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, and it says that God comes to give life and life abundantly. And so to me, like, it, would, it could be really easy to hate the person, but then Satan wins, right? And um, unfortunately, we do have the choice to clean our, our lives up, and we do have the choice to be better women and men. Um, and unfortunately for him, it was harder. Um, but I also, because I just know the desperation in being stuck in addiction. Like, I've dealt with addiction my whole life, like, in one way or another, and I know that desperation, and I know the pain. And so... Um, it just sucks that, you know, seeing somebody go through that and not seeing the enough strength for them to be able to break through. I think that's that's also a huge part of it. And so it was just very hard to deal with. It, yeah. it, so I can't even imagine, like, I can't. Thanks Everything. for making me cry, guys. I made it through the first interview. I'm not going to yeah. make it through this. <laughs> Challenge acceptance. because we're all here now. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next uh, point that you made, or one of the points that you made in the interview is seeing God's goodness in the midst of heartache. Um, 
I know that you kind of shared about that, and so I'll let you finish that. But before that, like, I would really like to hear from from you, ladies. Like, can you identify with that time, or even like, if you want to draw out a story in the Bible that depicts that, where it's like, where you've had to believe the goodness of God in the midst of like such a heart wrenching trial or something like that? Because I think other people hearing that in different perspectives, yes. I think would be beneficial for them, right? Because here we're we're painting it in the it, through your personal case, but I think hearing different points of views where it's not just Shekinah that was able to see God goodness, but it really is a character of a Christian, um, of a godly person, I should say, not a Christian, a godly person, a godly fearing, a child of God, to believe that God is good in the midst of the opposite report. And so, um, which one of you girls would like to go first? Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> she pointed at me. <laughs> I want to give you kudos, Shekinah, because you were so strong in all of this. And as a child of divorce, you, I mean, like myself, I saw my parents struggle and, and try to find their emotions. And not only are they like heartbroken, but they have to deal with all their other responsibilities that they have to do. And you did that, but you leaned on God. That could have been the perfect time. And I'm not saying for people to do it because it's not perfect, but it would have, it would have made sense if you went out there in the world and like left all of us and <laughs> Shekinah's in Europe doing I don't know God knows what and <laughs> pre <laughs> yeah and and you could have just done anything and well you know you didn't like you leaned on God and like Melissa said that you were at the altar you know you were you were praising God still through the midst of what you were going through that is crazy and and it reminds me of the book of Job of how he, he really struggled a lot, but through the midst of it all, he knew God's goodness. And he knew God was going to restore him, and he knew God was going to provide, and he knew God was going to come through in miraculous ways, and he did. And everyone saw that. And I'm so excited to see what God's going to do in your life because you held steadfast. You held on to him. Yes. You know, I, I see, like, Shekinah, like, like God is flying in the sky and the crazy wind and she kind of just holding on my little thread. Like, yeah, God. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, it's just like an imagery of like Shekinah is holding on like through whatever. I appreciate and that. And she's happy about Job it. Job was actually yeah. one of the books that I turned to a lot because, um, yeah, Job went through worse than anyone. Yeah, oh my gosh. Job went through a lot, but through the whole time he just held on and through that God blessed him. And so, yeah, that was one of the things that I was like, okay, Lord, like, I'll hold on. If Job could do it, I could do it. Yeah. But you, like I, I mentioned earlier, you were happy about it and you're not happy about it. I know. But you, you handle it in a graceful way and you still come to church and you're like, you think like, at least we see like you're happy, you know, like yeah. you're smiling and everything. And I think that's God's grace on you. I just, I, again, you're so strong. Yes. Agreed. Completely agree. Um, Denise. Yeah, I think um, one of the first things that I was reminded of was, um, obviously, I think it was Hannah who couldn't have a child, mm -hmm. right? And then she really wanted one. So that's one of the times where she really had to just lean on God um, to fulfill that promise. And and I don't know why that this image keeps popping up, but that's just what I keep seeing. And it's even um, with me, like, it reminds me of, you know, when I first got married, you know, we were married for a while. I mean, a few months and we were trying to have kids and I was like, okay, well, what's wrong? We can't have, like, I'm not, we're not, we're not getting pregnant. Went to the doctors and they're like, okay, well, we don't think you're ever, you're going to be able to have kids. Like you should start some kind of fertility, 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 fertility treatment, excuse me. 
And I'm like, okay, well, I guess if this is what we have to do. And I remember we were supposed to go to a doctor's in April. And then Rion came in February um, and we prophesied. And he's like, that's nonsense. You're going to have three kids in three years. And I'm like, there's no way. In March, I was pregnant and we had three kids in three years, you know? So um, that just like being able to rely on God and to be able to see a promise when everything else in front of your face looks completely opposite is something that only God can do. And I love that you even said like the book of Joel because it's so true. You know, it's like what man says is impossible. God says it's possible. And and I'm so happy to see that you are such a testament of that Shekinah to be able to prove to people that no matter how ugly it looks or what man seems like deems impossible, that with God, you're going to break through barriers. And I love what you said. I don't want to be defined as a divorced woman i want to be defined as an overcomer and you have already done that in so many different areas by you simply showing up and and still being in a relationship with jesus full-heartedly showing up to the altar and like i said like going even against the grain or the narrative of how like people in the world deal with divorces like you did the complete opposite and that already shows the overcomer spirit in you. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that I highlighted mm-hmm. and I pointed that out because I know you said you wanted to be defined that way, but you should, you already are in my eyes defined as that. And I, I think that's powerful because you're already an overcomer and you're, and you're just going to keep overcoming. But that title for me already is given to you. I completely no, thank you yes. for sharing that. And thank you for even sharing um, just the struggle of, of that fear of not being able to have kids. Um, I know that for a lot of women, that's such a heartbreaking reality. But um, as you said, you just pushed through and you trusted God. And um, that miracle happened for you, thank God. But that doesn't always happen for all, for all yeah. women. Um, but just that encouragement of just hold on, hold on to God because he's there and he's, he's helping you, you know. He's opening new doors through what you didn't expect, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm going to interject that question that somebody asked on social media, and that is, what do you think you learned about yourself throughout the season of your life? I Such a good question. <laughs> I get asked that a lot, actually. I feel like my answer is new each time. Um, I think what I learned about myself, I'm going to share a good and a bad, right? I want to be real here. <laughs> Um, I think the good would just be, I, I will admit, I did prove to myself that everything that I believed, everything that I pushed in my faith, everything that I stood for and preached, so, so to speak, is um, something that I, I still lived by even through this hardship. I've been accused of not having a hard enough life to um, speak into people's life. <laughs> oh, because yeah, I've got <laughs> a timeline that I can share with them. Yeah, um, yeah, I have, I have a timeline. This isn't the only thing. Um, but, um, but I've been accused of that. Like, you can't say that you don't know what I've gone through type of thing. Um, but I, I can honestly say that through this, everything that I preached, everything that I say I believe, everything that I hold valuable, my boundaries, those stuck with me throughout this. And I can say that I'm proud of that. I'm not going to lie. I'm proud of that. So that's something I learned about myself is that, that everything that I've always taught and believed in was definitely tested. Mm. Everything. <laughs> um, and I was able to stick that out. The one negative, not one. There was a few negatives. But I'll share with you um, something that definitely learned to me that I know I can work on is that um, I know that throughout this process, um, I mentioned in the interview that we got a lot of help. We got mentors through the church, and then we got professional uh, marriage therapists, and um, we both were in our recovery programs. And what I constantly heard throughout each of these individuals in my life was, 
you are not his mom, you know, because I'm very much a list person, right? Yes. And that's a, that's a benefit in some areas of life, not so much um, in this situation because it goes back to um, he's an adult man and these are choices that he has to make for himself. Yeah. Um, and so I know that that was something that I learned about myself too, of just um, learning to let go and let God, which was very difficult for me. Yeah. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's a tough one. I think we all face that in, throughout our life in different ways, right? And so I think the way we face it is where it's become it becomes different. Yeah. But, yeah, I know that that was for sure a struggle mm -hmm. because you just want to, you want to take, and I think this is very much the woman's role, right? I remember at the one of the first podcasts, it's like you always see potential. You always see yeah. your nurturer. You want a helper is what you said. And so you see something and then you naturally want to help. And so, so one of the things that people will always tell you about addicts is that you cannot help them until they want to be helped. Yes. And, like, not just, you know, as a, oh, I got caught, like, yeah, I should get help. But when they themselves have that revelation where it's like, oh, my gosh, like, my actions are really, truly hurting people. I need mm -hmm. to change. And so it's crazy because I think, uh, well, we'll get into that. I don't want to jump ahead. So, okay, so God's goodness in the midst of heartache. Uh, yeah, that was, I think that is the story of uh, of the of Christianity in general, just being able, cause oftentimes, so many times people ask, I think you might have asked this in the in the interview as well, it's like, how can a good God allow bad things to happen? And you did say that, that it's free will, right? Yeah. And so I think, again, going back to that scripture that I mentioned just a few moments ago, where it's like, it's the enemy, it's Satan that mm -hmm. comes to steal, kill, and destroy but God comes to give life and life abundantly. And so um, I know with me, with some of the stuff, a lot of the things that I face, like I didn't get breakthrough until I had that full revelation because I think sometimes we look at, and I shouldn't say full revelation, but a deeper revelation. Because um, sometimes we look at God and we're like, like, do you see me? <laughs> um, do you, hello? <laughs> did, did you read my DM, Lord? Yeah. <laughs> Can I slide into your DMs or what? Because that seems to help a lot of people nowadays. <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, it gets it gets really difficult. And I remember a jump of your video that you had sent me, Yesi, or that you had shared with me a long, 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 long time ago. Long days. <laughs> Um, where um, it's this girl who's like um, she was she was going blind, oh my gosh. right? And I so cry. as her as she was progressing in um, losing her sight, um, it says that the more that sh her sight got worse, the more that her dad pulled away because um, he was teaching her how to be independent. He was teaching her how to mm -hmm. be able to live life with that, and so it gave the parallel that that's what God does for us is um, that He. Um, not so much as pulls away as in like abandons us, but he's still around, but he wants us to be able to see that we're strong enough to be able to handle certain yeah. situations. And that I think that is a, one of the poetic things about the Lord is that he is, as A-Rob says, he is a gentleman, right? And so he's never going to come into your life and um, just take over and just do things. That's God's, that's not God's heart at all. Um, instead, what he wants to do is to make, to reveal God's image inside of us. Mm -hmm. And so in order for him to reveal God's image inside of us is there has to be some digging, like there has to be some uprooting, there has to be some things. And if God would just come and do it himself, then what's the point of having creation? What's the point of having people? You know, what's the point of letting, of even creating us if he's just going to, at that point, like 
as a kid, when we played with Barbies, it, it would get boring after some time. It was like, can you just get up and do something already? It's like, <laughs> it depended on you all the time, like mm -hmm. move around, dress it and everything. So if it, God wouldn't do that to us, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, remember that. It's Satan that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Next question. Share what the grief process looks like. And that's, wait. Yeah, share what the grief process looks like. The grief process. So we all know the five stages of grief. We heard that. Um, don't ask me to list them right now because they're totally slipping my mind. I was like, do we all know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you want to pull up on your phone? <laughs> I'll do that while I you can talk. Do it. I can do it. Um, anyway, so uh, we've all heard about the, the five stages of grief, or I feel like most of us have. Um, it's, it's a very common thing. And um, a lot of people just, I've heard it taught before um, where you just have to get through those five stages. And the final stage I know is acceptance. Mm -hmm. And once you mm -hmm. make it there, like, you're good. Like, you just have to work through it and you're good. But nobody talks about how many times you have to go through those five stages of grief. It's not mm. a one and done type of thing. And I found that out the hard way through this process. <laughs> and um, I just noticed that uh, it is a cycle. You know, you go through that. You go through those five stages. Sometimes it takes, it could take a few days, it could take a few months. But as you go through that stages, you start to come to that other side acceptance. And then, boom, something else hits you. Mm. And uh, for lack of a better term, you're triggered, right? Yeah. And um, you have to go through that process again, and you have to go through that process again. I found myself going through this process many times. In fact, um, I went through it a few weeks ago on what would have been my second anniversary. I had to walk out those steps. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking up at God and going, God, like I felt like I was finally coming out on the other side of this. Why am I here again? Why am I still grieving? And he showed, I was like, I feel like I'm just on this merry-go-round. I keep revisiting the same place over and over and over again. But then he reminded me of an analogy that um, Cheryl Salem used. I was, I was literally thinking about that. Yeah. Okay, go for it. So go. he reminded me of an analogy that Cheryl Salem used, which is you're not on a merry-go-round. You're on a spiral staircase. Mm -hmm. And so although you are revisiting um, certain things in your life over and over again, each time you revisit it, you're actually in a higher place. Yes. You're not in the same place. It feels like it, but you're not in the same place so long as you're willing to walk that process out. And when the Lord showed me that and reminded me of that analogy, it just brought me so much healing and blessing. And another um, analogy that my mentor Jackie used was, it's just another layer. It's another mm -hmm. layer of like an onion, right? It's another yeah. tear-jerking layer. <laughs> it's going to make you cry, but you are getting to the center. Yeah. And um, when you remember that, so in the moment, it it doesn't feel like it. So if you find yourself in those like revisiting a certain point or, or toxic thought or grieving stage or anger or whatever it is, let yourself walk through that process because although it doesn't feel like it, you are on that spiral staircase and you are reaching higher levels. It's when you don't walk through that process of grief or anger that you get stuck on that merry-go-round. Yeah. That's a good point. And I think we've all met people who have never allowed themselves to go through that process mm -hmm. or they get stuck in one yeah. One of the particular ones, like it's either anger or it's either um, bargaining. Oh, so the five one, the five are. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for pulling them up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was about to start talking about them like if I had already said it. Um, so the first one is, well, I don't think there's a, a particular order, but. No. Some will argue that there is, but there isn't. <laughs> yeah. So it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Mm -hmm. So, um yeah, I've seen people get stuck on each and every one of those. And I think that's why emotional intelligence, although it's such a trendy term right now, but um, 
I think it's so vital in order for people to be able to have, and I think what happens is uh, society has, there's two extremes, right? And as your mom says, the devil is in the extremes. It's either people reject emotions mm -hmm. altogether or they submit to their emotions altogether. And so I love what Pastor Adriana says. She's like, emotions are the flavor of life. <laughs> you know? And so you have to learn how to navigate through them. You have to, like, I think one of the, one of the phases of my life where, where I matured the most was when I started paying attention to why I was feeling mm -hmm. what I was feeling. Right? So if I'm feeling, for example, just insecure, if I'm feeling insecure in that moment, what's causing me to be insecure in this moment? How, how am I responding to that insecurity? And when can I do better? One, to not put myself in this position again, or two, to um, make myself more prepared, yes. whatever the case may be. And so let's say we're dealing with anger. It's like, okay, why am I feeling angry right now, right? It's because this person betrayed me. Okay, this person, what this person did sucked, absolutely, and I deserve to be angry right now. However, do I want to get stuck there? No. Okay, so what can I do in order for me to be able to do that? And then I think um, being able to ask those questions, um, and I'm yes. sure there's like a particular set of questions that we can probably share, um, would allow people to examine those emotions and not stay in those emotions. And so I actually have a follow-up question for that. Do you think somebody that's been stuck in these cycles for a long time, and by stuck in the cycle, I don't mean like, as you mentioned, like you thought you were over and then you revisit it again. Um, what I mean by stuck is they never move past the anger or they never yeah. move past the denial. Um, I want to kind of give hope to anybody who may be listening to be like, you know what, like I think that's me. I think I might have gotten stuck. Um, what would you say to them? I would say, so going back to you, you made a really good point is you ask yourself why. Hmm. Um, one of the books that I was reading, in fact, I would argue that it was the most helpful book that doesn't just apply for people who've been betrayed or heartbroken. It's um, How to Clean Your Mental Mess. Mm. by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. I would recommend anybody on, for any reason, read that book. <laughs> um, but uh, one, of the, one of the points that she makes in the book is before you make any major decision, ask yourself why five times. Mm. Um, and you start to, and then eventually as you get more mature in your emotional health, you'll start asking yourself who, what, where, when, why, and you'll, you'll know that. But ask yourself why five times, you know, I'm feeling angry. Why? Because so-and-so said X, Y, Z. Okay, but why does that make you angry? Mm. Well, because, and then you might find yourself back in as a kid when your dad said something as a yeah. kid, you know what I mean? Um, ask yourself why five times. Start to dissect each emotion and take over that. You can, when people feel like they're like stuck in depression, you know, um, oftentimes they misrepresent it as um, a medical thing. When in reality, they're just, like you said, they're just stuck. And you yeah. can get out of that um, with your own mental practices of just start dissecting those feelings. When you do feel triggered or you do feel angry, someone says something or you start to feel anxiety, start asking yourself, okay, let's get to the bottom of this and ask why. Because once you can get to the root, you can start dealing with the problem. That's really good. And so I'm going to jump around a little bit because we had left this towards the end, the importance mm -hmm. of forgiveness. But I think um, it just flows so well right now. One of the things that our leaders in this house often, often tell, tell us is that forgiveness is more about you than it is about the other person, right? And so when you go, because we, we follow, we, try, we do our best to follow like the Jewish traditions uh, um, for a lot of different reasons here. And so there's a special time during the year where you, take, you do a lot of introspection and you start uh, analyzing what's going on in your soul and all these things. And so... One of the greatest things of that is asking for forgiveness or giving forgiveness. 
And so what our leaders say is like, you know, if you go to somebody and say and ask for forgiveness or give forgiveness, it's not an excuse. It's not a, an opportunity for you to start mapping out all the things that the person has done wrong. It's just a, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. And so um, in doing all these things and in asking yourself those five questions, obviously there's going to be a point probably where you're probably going to come back and be like, yeah, but they're the ones that did this to me. Like, they should have never done that. Like, and it could be very horrific things. Like, some people, I'm sure, may have gone and molested as kids. Like, some people may have gone and, like, uh, betrayed, cheated on, like, all these crazy things, right? And so at the end of the day, though, um, forgiveness is the most vital thing in order for you to receive freedom. And so, Denise, what do you have to say about this, if anything, would you like to add? I think I was going to actually talk about the root, and I love that she kind of got to that. And that's, yeah. in essence, true, because it's, okay, why am I angry? And most times you can trigger not only the immediate anger, but you can trigger back to it. There is a point in my childhood mm. that I have this unresolved trauma of either depression or anger that I felt depressed or angry or whatever the case may be. And it's like, yeah, like, it goes back to the layers, right? So, no, I, I think that was really good, and I think that's very vital to um, obtaining freedom. Um, long-term freedom, right? Mm -hmm. Long-term freedom and being able to um, work it out. And even with the forgiveness, I love what um, two things is when you talked about emotions. And I also love, I think it was Pastor John, and it's like emotions is data. It's just information. Mm -hmm. So what is that information trying to tell you? And then the second part is also, you know, um, we say a lot at the church is that forgiveness comes from the Father, but healing comes from the community. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's also very important. And I think it's two-dimension. Um because a lot of times people just want to do it by themselves and they don't realize that, you know, sometimes it's okay to get the help, right help. Let me, let me specify that <laughs> the right type of community around you um, to do, to help you get free. Um, so yeah, that's all I wanted to add. That's good. Yes. Yeah, would you like to add something? I just think that the whole spiral thing makes so much sense. And I'm actually going through that with my own things and with my own, um, like past trauma, quote unquote. And, what you explained, like you go to a higher place, you're like, okay, because I've been thinking that. I've been thinking like, why does it still affect me? Like mm. w listening to yours and you were like, divorce sucks. You know, like I hate, God hates divorce. I hate divorce. You know, I personally hate divorce so much too, mm -hmm. because I've, I've, again, I'm a child of divorce. I've seen it really break me and my, my sibling. And so when I was listening to yours, I was crying. Right. Mm. And then I'm, I'm still emotional to this day. And then I'm thinking of my own things, right? And I'm breaking down those layers, like, like I always imagine the onion too. And um, I think about it and I'm like, okay, my parents divorced when I was 15. Why am I still affected? Why can I still cry just thinking about it? Mm. Why? It's like I'm about to be 30 next year, like in just a few months. That's exactly another lifetime yeah. from that. That's crazy. And it still affects me. Why? Yeah. And I'm like, why did I not deal with it? I feel like I'm always dealing with it. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense now. You're at a higher place, and I do feel like it's not the same, but it still affects me. So I'm thankful that you shared that. Higher place, girl. Spiral staircase. <laughs> <laughs> Spiral staircase. Um, yeah, I absolutely love that. And yeah, I like what you shared about the forgiveness because, um, yeah, when the Lord asked me to forgive my husband, right? Like, I wasn't shocked. <laughs> yeah. It's in the word of God. I knew that I had to. Um, 
you're like, oh, I got to. I guess so. Like, oh, too? I forgot about, oh, I forgot about that. Actually, one of the steps that the Lord really brought me through in this process was he brought me to um, the Lord's Prayer. You know, when the, the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? And he was like, oh, pray in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread on earth as, or sorry, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And that was the part, because the rest of it, I was like, okay, Lord, you know. <laughs> and I don't pray it in that exact wording, right? I use it as my outline, though. Like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you're awesome. I love you. I praise you, you know. And, like, right. just use it as an outline. And I would encourage that for anybody who wants to step into a deeper prayer life. If you don't know what that looks like for you yet, use that as an outline. Jesus himself gave that as an outline to his disciples. Yeah. Um, and that's been so helpful for me. Um but when it got to the forgiveness part, Lord, forgive me. And I would like list, you know, a little cute little, you know, I thought of someone today or I looked at someone off. Or <laughs> yeah. But um, the Lord said, no, go deeper. And that's where the Lord really brought me through that five, the five whys, you mm -hmm. know, and really bringing, Lord, forgive me for. And I started going through the deep stuff, the yeah. deep emotional things. And then I went forward into forgiving my husband. And it wasn't just, and it started out with just verbalizing it. But then um, it wasn't like a one and done thing. I didn't forgive him and then forget about all the anger that I had. Right. And that's not usually the case with people. Um, I have to forgive him daily. I'm going to be honest. And so when a negative thought or memory pops in my head, I work through that and then I go, okay, Lord, I forgive him. And I name that specific thing. Mm -hmm. And so forgiveness, again, you're, as you just said, it's not about giving the other person what they deserve. Yeah. It's about releasing you and releasing them so that you both can be dealt with by God without being tied to each other. Yes. Yeah, that's really good. Um, dealing with all the aspects of the forgiveness and all that good stuff. And I think um, you're absolutely right how the, Lord, the Lord's Prayer does say that. And so I think the moment that you realize, one thing that I think you guys can all agree when it comes to Christianity, it's like, I understand that even though I may have a really good moment right now, the moment that I start feeling like I can I cannot lose my salvation is the moment that I'm a, that I'm at risk of losing my salvation, mm -hmm. right? The moment that you think that you're not in danger of um, doing these things or not falling into temptation is the moment that you're already at, at high risk. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that because the moment that you realize the frailness of our own humanity, the frailness of our own strength, the frailness of it says in the word that God looks at us and pities us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, if God looks at us and pities us, it's like, it's because we're weak, you yeah. know? And so I think it's having that humility. And I, again, like, I'm not saying that that's a cop out for other people's actions. I'm not saying that at all. But the moment that you realize that you've also been forgiven of much is the mm -hmm. moment that it becomes easier for you to start forgiving others because it's like, wow. You know, in the word it says that, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this already, but in the word, it says that our works are like dirty rags to the Lord. Even Jesus himself in the word says, why do you call me good? Only my father in heaven is good. And so we're all, we all fall short of the glory. We're all sinners that need healing. We're all sinners that need salvation. We're all sinners. That's the point of Christianity. That's the point of, I shouldn't even say Christianity in general, but well, yeah, Christianity. That's the point. It's recognizing that we are sinful by nature, right? Mm -hmm. And so the moment that we start saying other people's sin is worse than ours is a moment that we've literally lost, lost sight of what we've been saved from. Yep. You know, and I think that's the point where it becomes easier to forgive other people. Where it's like, you know what, dude, like, 
yeah, I'm going to put boundaries now and I'm not going to allow you to talk to me or be in my life in that same way because that's just wisdom. But at the end of the day, like, I would rather God deal with you than for me to deal with you because it also says in the word, like, um, when we, uh, shoot, I can't forget, I can't remember that specific scripture, but it says in order for us to be forgiven, we have to forgive others. Yeah. I kind of want to say that's in John, like, towards the end. And so to me, like, that puts the fear of God in me, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, oh, wait. It's in Matthew. It's in Matthew. Okay, so <laughs> it would be Andre's wife. <laughs> um, Watch him correct yeah, me. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I picture it in my Bible, like I can see it. But um, so yeah, I think just remembering that, right? Where it's like we, I've, I'm, I for sure have hurt other people. Like there's scenes in my mind that I cannot get rid of that I know I've hurt people like immensely. And so every time I replay those things, like I have to forgive myself too. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, like. I can't continue. So, oh, that actually leads me to something. <laughs> if you've been that person that has hurt somebody in that same way, you know, we're talking about Shekinah's ex-husband, mm -hmm. and you've been that person, and you're constantly punishing yourself for being that person, for betraying somebody's trust, um, there is forgiveness and there's redemption. I'm not saying that it'll be easy. Again, in the Vine Deity, we always talk about the, how hard things are. But there is forgiveness and there is redemption. Like in the Bible, Paul, I mean, Paul, one, he wrote two-thirds of the freaking New Testament. Mm -hmm. He was out murdering Christians. Like he saw a, one of God's um, disciples literally get murdered. And the power of forgiveness was that that person that was being murdered, he looked up to the sky as he was being stoned and being beaten. And he looked up to heaven and the thing that he said Right. And Pastor Adriana taught on this such a beautiful, beautiful um, sermon. And she was like, he, his name was Stephen. He cried out to the Lord. He was like, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like, don't let my blood be on their hands. And Paul was there watching all of that go down. Okay. And then what happens? Paul ends up being saved, being uh, met by God in such a profound way. Mm -hmm. And now he ends up being one of the men that got one of the most beautiful and wonderful revelations of grace and the the beauty of the resurrection of Christ and that intimacy with Jesus and he he didn't even walk with Jesus when he was when Jesus was alive his other disciples that walked with Jesus didn't even have that immense revelation right that even Paul had to correct Peter yeah. and so to me like if you're that and if you're feeling like dude like I've already screwed up so much like my family is broken and all these things like yeah, there, there, there does require some reparation, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. And you may, and you may probably be thinking like, oh my gosh, it's such a long road. Like, okay, <laughs> so what? Do the freaking work. <laughs> right? Someone, uh, like, like I said, it, going back to Dr. Kelly Leaf, she made that point of, um, you know, it's not going to work like that. It's not yeah. going to, it's not going to work right away. You're not going to, it's not like a pill and then you're better. You know, you have to put in the daily work. You have to put in, so it's a recovery process, yes. right? And that's why they call it that. And you might think, well, you know, for some people it takes six months. Some people it takes two years. And people who go, well, that's such a long time. She goes, yeah. But two years from now, you can say I'm better. Or two years from now, you can still be stuck yes. <laughs> wishing you would have done the work. Yeah. So it starts now. It starts today. It's never too late because, like, I totally agree. Two years from now, you can be looking back going, I'm so glad that I stuck through that yeah. process. Or two years from now, you can go, man, I should have started that process. Yeah. The time is going to pass by either way. Yeah, you, either you way, to do, exactly. Yeah. Okay, um, ladies, would you like to add anything? Denise, yes, see. No? Good? <laughs> okay. Um, okay. All right, Shekinah. So how 
from your personal experience, how would you identify addiction? Um, you know, at first, before we go into this next segment, I do want to make super clear that I have only seen a therapist. I am not a therapist. <laughs> um, none of us are. Well, there's Google certificates for everything. Yes, right? <laughs> I'll go get one. I'll yeah. go get one. Um, yeah, no, I just, I, I do want to make that clear is that I can only share my experience. And I know that all of us on this panel can only share their experience. So um, if you or anyone that you know is struggling with addiction, please go seek professional help. Yes. Uh, first, yes. I want to say that um, so moving forward to my experience, um, I sought professional help. <laughs> no, to answer the question, how do you identify an addict? Um, you know, how, how you identify one, I've, I've dealt with many addicts in my life um, in different levels. And I think the biggest thing is, has it become a problem? Is it something that is, uh, is it difficult for them to let go of? Are they... Um, missing um, certain things that they've committed to? Are they being late? Are they, is their mood, a big one is mood? Um, how is it affecting their life? And so I, it's a, that's a difficult one to answer because really you can be addicted to anything from caffeine to, that's what I was you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I was feeling exposed. I was <laughs> That's a difficult one. That's my husband can't one. listen to this podcast now. <laughs> I think that's a really difficult one. Like how you identify uh, an addict can be a difficult one because it can dif be different on the substance and what kind of um, what kind of substance they are addicted to and how long they've been addicted to it and how long it's been a normal part of their life. Like for in my experience, I didn't identify that my husband was an addict. I found out. Mm. Um, because it had been a part of his life for so long that it became functioning functioning and a normal part for him. And so it wasn't something that I could identify um, because I never had experience with it before. So I know it's different for everybody. I don't really have a clinical psychological answer to that other mm -hmm. than um, just really look out for their mood, look out for their behavior perhaps. And that might be a key indicator for how you might be able to identify someone who's addicted. Yeah. Addicted. yeah. I think from now on, I'm just going to ask straight up. Remember when we used to watch, I'm not going to mention that name, but we used to watch like these uh, videos from this therapist who's like, yeah, ask them straight up. Do you watch blah, 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 blah? Or do you struggle with addiction? He's like, ask your pastor. <laughs> Dude, this guy's gay. That's a good one. Little actually, did yeah. I know. Anyway, but um, yeah, so that's one way. I agree. I, I actually am a little surprised by that in a good way. I mean, by that response. I'm not really quite sure what I was expecting. Uh, Yessie, do you have a personal opinion of how you can identify an addict? No, <laughs> I don't actually. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Shunned. Shunned for the next five minutes. Go get more experience. Come back. <laughs> don't come back to you. You can come back you to your content. It's like the Uno card. Reverse, reverse. <laughs> what about you, Denise? I love what she kind of said. I think, you know, once it starts to become a problem. It's good. And, you know, because problems, you can look very different for every person. So I, I love the way you define it. I think that's really good. Yeah. Okay. So how do you approach an addict? <laughs> Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Interventions. Um, that's actually, I'm going to, uh, no one's going to like this answer. And again, I'm, I, I can only share a personal experience. Um, growing up in church, my parents are counselors as well. 
through the church. And so I've seen a lot of addicts be approached um, and get counseling and get help. And the pattern that I've seen and experienced is um, typically when it's time to, when you realize this is hurting this person, you love them and you no longer want it to hurt them, um, that's usually the decision that needs to be made of, I need to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you do get amazing reactions. Um, a lot of addicts I've seen um, respond very positively and just admit right then and there, like, I didn't have the strength to admit it. Um, I needed you to call it out in me. And yes, I do want help. Mm. Um, yeah, so, and then I've seen it more often than not um, where an addict can get very possessive of their addiction. I mean, they're an mm. addict. That's it's. It's what they feel they need. And so if they feel like that's being attacked in any way, um, then you often become a target for attack, if that makes sense. Mm. And it's mostly just them trying to protect themselves. So um, how do you approach an addict? Uh, First, you have to first, I would highly encourage people, and this is something that I had to do, was establish your boundaries. Mm. Establish where you are at and remind yourself that if this doesn't go well, it's not your fault. You need to go in with a healthy mindset before you begin to have that conversation. That's really good. Um, Otherwise, if this person does respond negatively, you have to be prepared to stand firm in your boundaries, in your worth, and in your values to follow through with what you know is right for you. Because um, although you love this person, although this is somebody that um, you do care for and this is why you're bringing it up to them, um, you might not receive the response that you would hope for. Hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, does that mean that you shouldn't talk to an addict? Absolutely not, especially if it's someone you love. Um, In those situations, I would encourage you kind of put away your your selfishness, to be honest, and recognize that it might not go well. Um, You might be putting in jeopardy a friendship or a relationship, but in the long term, this person will know that they can come to you when they are ready to um, approach this as a problem in their life. Um, so I, I think just from a Christian standpoint, from a loving standpoint, it's necessary to have this conversation because you don't want to wait until it gets so bad that you can't do anything for them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to also encourage people to just go right in, okay. um, expecting the best. Um, unfortunately, when it comes to addiction, um, if this person is that possessive of their addiction, you might not get the best response. But again, it's about loving them and not about um, your own selfishness, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. I think it, it goes back to what Denise always says. It's not what you say, it's how you say it, yes. right? And so the moment that you go in already feeling like victimized or feeling like you want to shove something in their face, mm-hmm. like then you're already starting off in the wrong foot because, again, God's heart is always reconciliation. We've been called into the ministry of reconciliation, as it says in, I don't know if it's First or Second Corinthians, um, that and... I think, um, I don't know if you guys would agree, but I think also a good tactic would be to have a form of solution, right? Yes. Not just show up and be like, hey, you have this problem, mm-hmm. but show up and be like, hey, this is what I think you can do. These are alternatives that you can do. Like, right. Because ultimately it's like you, can't, you don't want to just point out a problem and that's it, right? Because then what are you doing? Like mm-hmm. you're already leaving the person vent to themselves. And um, in order for them to be able to break a cycle – they're going to have to do something different. So 
And that's assuming that their response is a positive one. No, right? I fully agree coming in with, I'm willing, I have these steps that I'm willing to help you with. Yeah. Um, oftentimes an addict will try to negotiate and try to, <laughs> you know, try to beat around the bush and try to get around that. Yeah. Um, but again, it goes back to, no, these are my boundaries. This is how I'm willing to help you. If you don't want to do it my way, that's totally okay. Yeah. I respect that. But these are the ways that I am willing to be involved and help you. Um, so, yeah, absolutely offering that solution is key. But don't let that person um, try to negotiate out of that. Yeah, because I have seen that actually happen mm -hmm. where, um, you know, again, to that my 600-pound life, right, where it's like people um, come in and they make that person everything now. Like now it's their project. Mm -hmm. Now it's they get so invested where it's no longer healthy. Where now when the person gets healed or hold or um, or they decide they just want to go back into their mess again, then that person that started giving the thing, all of a sudden they lose their own identity, yes. right? All of a sudden they lost themselves in that because they were so invested in this person. And so I think what you said is the ultimate wisdom where it's like having your boundaries and seeing and even having accountability towards that. Yes. Because like if you... Um, don't go in with somebody looking out for both of you, then mm -hmm. you're already putting yourself in such a risky situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And oftentimes, you, you people who approach you are the ones that love you the most. And if you don't have those boundaries, and you have, but you have that heart of, I want to do whatever it takes to help this person, you risk becoming the enabler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. For those struggling with addiction, how would one get help? I'm going to ask Denise. How does one get help? Well, I think you, depending on the type of addiction, mm -hmm. you would um, definitely want to get in contact with some kind of center. Um, I think we should really put at, on our YouTube video, like, resource numbers, right, for, like, oh, um, addiction hotline numbers and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So definitely, I think, check out for that information. We can definitely add that um, on our captions when yes. we post the video. Oh, that's good. That's I like that. that. Yeah, I agree. Because there's not, I mean, it's already a proven method, right? In one way or another. Uh, right. And for people. That, that, I mean, that obviously, if you want to, I mean, I would definitely suggest like talking to somebody, right? Talking to, I mean, even if it's connecting with a leadership at our church so that we, they can direct you to the proper um, field of, of, you know, of licensed help. That's good. So what would you say if somebody were to come to you? Like, you know, I've noticed that I started drinking way too much, but. I'm still going to work. I'm still mm -hmm. paying my bills. Uh, what would you say, Shaquina? I think the fact that you're bringing it up in the first place means mm -hmm. a piece of you that knows it's either a problem now or you're fearful of it becoming a problem. Yes. And in both cases, it's something that you should definitely um, take hold of mm -hmm. and um, treat as a problem and start to, to work towards it. Um, my advice to anybody who may potentially be struggling with bad habits, um, not just addictions even, just bad habits, mm -hmm. is um, how you overcome those is very first step is be honest, is make that your very first, you know, even in uh, AA, the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? Yes. That That's rooted in just being an honest person. Make a rule for yourself from here on out, I will not lie to myself or to others. And then you can begin to start identifying those um, addictive behaviors in your life a little more because then when you do ask that question of am I drinking too much you can already have the practice of being honest with yourself of yeah I'm maybe drinking a little bit too much <laughs> you know and is this a problem yes it might be a problem so really it just goes back to just learn to be honest just like 
Dr. Jordan Peterson says, don't lie. <laughs> Just point blank. Don't lie. And like A-Rob says, the number one person we lie to is ourselves. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, learn to be honest, especially with yourself. Yeah. That's good. Okay, so now we got to wrap it up. And so we want to leave off on a high, higher note. And that is experiencing redemption through this process. And so how have you yourself experienced that within yourself and relationships? Um, man, so many ways. <laughs> um, I feel like just the fact that I can talk about it now, um, that in and out of itself is a redemptive step. Um, and it just goes back to what we talked about in the interview is first I got help right away. Um, and that helped me step into redemption and restoration through this. And I've been able to just seek God through it. And um, yeah, I, I don't, I feel like this is the whole podcast has been about redemption, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I don't want to repeat everything I just said, but, <laughs> yeah. but um, I just want to give a message to our listeners is that redemption, God has already given that to you. But um, he's also given you the tools to know how to implement that. And I think too many people are looking for that miraculous moment where they step out of church and they're um, bad habit-free yeah. or they're addiction-free. And it can whatever. happen. It can. It can I happen. totally believe in yeah. miracles, 100%. But going back to even Andre's interview, Andre had that miraculous moment of, I just didn't want to party anymore. I didn't want that lifestyle anymore. But over time, that darkness started to come back, and that's when he had to step in and apply the tools. Right. So even when people receive miracles, don't take advantage of that miracle step into, okay, utilizing the things that God gave you. God gave me this tool of freedom to implement and to then work towards an even greater freedom. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely believe in miracles. I believe they happen more often than people are willing to admit because, mm -hmm. unfortunately, the people who receive miracles are often, often the ones that revert back mm -hmm. to their negative habits. Um, and so, yeah, the redemption is out there. It's available to you, to everyone who cries out to God. But redemption is a tool as well, and it's it's an opportunity to live out that redemption and restoration and to live out that freedom on a daily basis. It's a choice. Right. It kind of, I know that we like to use the job analogy a lot, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, you shooting your shot for a job that you never thought you would be able to get, and then you finally get it. It's like the work doesn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> That's when the work starts, yes. right? You got to learn how to move in that position. You got to learn how to navigate those new relationships. You got to learn how to just be in that position, be in that moment, be in that career. And so that's exactly what it is with the Lord, right? And mm -hmm. so I know personally, like, for example, a lot of people think that when you come to Christianity, like, when you, if you still have these bad thoughts or you still have these, like, wrong desires that you're not doing something right, um, that's not the case. Like, there's times where I think back to my party days and I'm like, dude, like that was fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was fun. Like I was just talking to somebody today and I was like, I wish I would have done that before I got saved. Like, <laughs> and I'm not saying that's right, but it's the truth. Like we still live in a fallen nature. I still sometimes like today I was listening to in my head, like it's not that I went and I looked it up, but in my head I started thinking about Easy e and I was like, dude, like I used to bang that song like all the time. And so it's just like, but then it's taking those thoughts captive, right? <laughs> just, I'm sorry. I know they named a street after him recently. Maybe no, they one. didn't. Easy E. They did. Oh, uh -huh. my God, bro. <laughs> and here I am, holy, and I still have a street after him. What the heck? Um, well, maybe there is. I'm just going to look for a Melissa court or something. <laughs> anyway, so it's like, it's not the absence of sin. It's not, it's training yourself. It's yes. disciplining yourself. You know what I mean? Like, and so I think that's where um, a lot of people get it wrong, where it's just like, 
you don't come into Christianity and all of a sudden you don't you're not faced with life. Like mm-hmm. it goes back to what we were even talking about pastors that don't. Um, and I'm not saying support divorce as in like, oh, yeah, like just give out divorce cards. I'm not saying that at all. But to the church denying the presence of a fallen nature, that is like one of the worst things that you could ever put on people. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, look. If your people are struggling with something, if your people are looking at this, it's not so much as like, oh, my gosh, like, no, you shouldn't do that. It's like, okay, why are you considering this? Let's examine the heart of the matter. Like, you're still struggling with, like, something. Like, for me, thankfully, I used to cuss a lot. So, thankfully, when I, the moment that I said yes to the Lord is the moment that that, that was one of the miraculous things. But every every so often, like, I think, I think of the word and I'm like, oh, dang, like, that wasn't right. I shouldn't yeah. have said that. You know what I mean? And so it's like, if I were to come to Pilin, like if I start seeing that as a problem and I come to Pilin and I'm like, hey, Pilin, like this is happening. Okay, well, ask yourself, like, what's causing you to start responding to situations like that? Like, why do you want to cuss all of a sudden? Like, why did you think that was the appropriate word? And it sounds so um, so silly, but that's really how things escalate, right? Because it can be a cuss word. And all of a sudden, like, I can start listening to music that's not holy because now I'm desensitized, desensitized to it. And then the music turns into a lifestyle. Now the lifestyle turns into sin. It's like yeah. in the word it says that sin is practice and then you get the wage of death. Yeah. And so sin is a practice. Like the moment that it, it turns into something that you constantly do and that you constantly surround yourself around, then that's when you get the wage of it and that's death, yeah. right? And so that may be physical death or that may be spiritual death, that may be emotional death. And so a lot of the things like Melissa right now, Shekinah right now, Yesi right now, Denise right now, Right now, we're in this moment because of actions that we took five, ten years ago. You know what I mean? And so we're living in those fruitful moments. Mm -hmm. And so to think that what you're doing right now doesn't matter, that it's just the phase, that it's just a moment in your life, then that's a lie from the pit of hell because you're already, what do I always say? The seeds that you sow will produce a harvest. God is not mocked. Like, he doesn't. He's not like, oh, she, it's okay, she was kidding. You guys, like, she was kidding. Like, no, God doesn't do that. It says in the word that the moment that we stand before God, we're going to be held accountable for every idle word that we spoke. Mm-hmm. Idle, like that to me, and I'm, maybe I don't have the fear of the Lord that much because I still be saying some dumb things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But sometimes in the, I was like, who put a freaking mic in my hand? Um, <laughs> you did Shekinah <laughs> did um, Ramsey did um, but it's like okay God like it goes back to understanding the frailty of our humanity you know what I mean and that's why I think and I'm not saying don't have standards I'm not saying like don't strive to be better don't strive to do these things but I think the moment that we're able to break out of our things is as we're getting closer to the Lord and so that's why you know, in the, I'm thinking of Psalm 27, like that to me is like the psalm of my life. Like it's, I've adopted that. And then it, it's um, the Lord telling David, like, seek my face. And then David's like, Lord, your face I will seek. And then it says in other scripture that David was known as a man after God's own heart. And so to me, the reason why David was able to let go of his sin, the reason why David was able to overcome those things was because he would get closer to God. The reason why you're able to be faithful to somebody is because you know their heart and you love them and you're invested in them. You know their intimacies and like you're constantly working on that romance, right? Mm-hmm. And so the moment that you stop being devoted to somebody else's heart, somebody else's likeness, somebody else's like satisfaction, I think it's the moment that you put yourself at risk. And so obviously if we do that with somebody that we're interested in, with whoever we're dating, 
how much more should we do that with the Lord? Like, mm-hmm. the fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge. And I remember Denise shared this amazing, wonderful devotional with me where it said that it teaches that knowledge in the original Hebrew is intimacy. It's so the fear of the Lord and so knowledge of the Lord that is being intimate with him. That is knowing what makes his heart tick. That means what that's knowing how his mind works. It's like that's what true Christianity is and that's what true relig- religion is, is. It is that relationship with the Lord. But unfortunately, a lot of people are like, oh, I have a relationship with God. But it's like, but you're still out drinking. Like you're still out doing all these things. And so if you if that really is the case, then you wouldn't be doing these things. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'll shut up with this one. But I remember being at a, at a dinner with ex-coworkers and then they were like, oh, Melissa, like, just have a drink. Like, God still loves you. And I was, like, saved, like, two or three years. And in my head, I was like, well, the question is not, does God love me? The question is, do I love God? Like, yeah. that's the question. Do I love him enough to stand strong right now and keep being a message? Because the moment that I put a drink in my hand would be the moment that everybody would be like, well, you see, like, it's not possible. Or I can totally still do that. You know what I mean? And so um, I think sticking close to God and as I mentioned, like that was the right thing that you did in the interview, that that was the thing that kept you in the right place is constantly seeking God's heart in a situation, you know? And so with that, the redemption aspect of the Lord is can always be found in intimacy with the Lord, yes. I think, I feel, and I believe in my heart of hearts. Um, do any of you ladies want to add anything before we close it up? I just want to follow up on your every thought, right? And the Bible does say take every thought captive yes. because obviously... Um, what we think will eventually come out in in the way we speak or the things that we do. And so it just goes back to if I think there's this trend going on that I've seen uh, on Instagram of like the um, intrusive thoughts, mm. you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah. And they're so funny. But then I really thought about it and I was like, take every thought captive. When you do get those random thoughts, don't brush them aside, you know, don't just, uh, you know, oh, that was a random thought, you know, but take them captive, identify where they're coming from. Are they, is it you? Is it the Lord? Is it the world? Or is it the enemy? Identify where it's coming from and whether or not this is a thought that you should accept or um, reject. Yeah, that's really good. I completely agree. Okay, so, um, you know, I think it's important to clarify, like, why we're talking about this on a dating podcast, right? So, Yessi, what do you think? I think addiction is susceptible, right, to anybody. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm thankful that we are able to share it on the podcast. Um, I'm also hoping that if anybody knows somebody or is struggling themselves um, and they are not married yet or they are married, that they can work on it. But specifically, our podcast is obviously for dating. And what can you do now to work on yourself so you don't have to work on that part when you're married? I mean, obviously, there's still to that extent, like recovery, all of that. It's still like the hard work starts, right? Yeah. But how can you bring that into your marriage? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you obviously want to make sure you're with a partner that's able to understand that, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm recovering. You, this is how I'm walking through it. Because that person also is going to have to be aware. Mm-hmm. You know, because what if they bring things around that maybe might trigger you and they have to understand like, okay, I, am I willing to be with somebody who is going through this? Right. Mm-hmm. So I do think that it's it's very difficult for some people to even share that. And obviously, like on first date, they maybe not. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe it's your kind of though. <laughs> like you mentioned your first date. Right. Um, but just making sure that you're you're dealing with your issues now, because, again, when you're mm-hmm. married, we say this, it's going to be amplified. Yes. And if you are married, because I know we have a lot of married uh, listeners, mm-hmm. how can how should have we dealt with it when we were dating? 
or before I was married. Because now we know that there's consequences in our marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Because of it. So now what can we do together to work on that? That's good. What do you think, Denise? Am I? No, I think you're right. And I think it, it goes back to honesty, right? Mm -hmm. What a foundation are we laying this, this relationship on? And um, both parties have a right to know, like, hey, and I think, Shekana, you mentioned this even in one of the last um, podcasts was like, hey, like, this is, everybody has baggage. What does your baggage look like? Yeah. Um, so that that person is like, okay, I'm willing to say yes or no, because yeah. that's not fair to the other person. Yep. And you can't be mad, you know, when things are not working out, when you never disclose that information, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think there's a whole thing of integrity, like honesty, you know, are you willing to deal with that baggage? Um, because it is, you know, addiction, there is a lot to it. There is triggers. And, you know, what you might think of going to even a location not being a problem if that person's, you know, reacts to being in a certain place or whatnot like that that's something to really be mindful about so no i think that i i mean i completely agree with you and i think even like the whole redemption and you know one of the things that i think is important to really ask yourself is okay i have come out of a relationship where i've been betrayed and it can look at you know in so many different mm -hmm. ways how do i deal with that now that i'm single and yeah. i think the first thing that i want to say is you're worthy to be treated right you're worthy to be loved you're worthy to have somebody who's going to be by your side, who's yes. going to love you unconditionally, and who's going to be willing to work with you in, in whatever areas, you know, in your, in, that you have. Because I think, um, at least for me, like the people that I mentor that come out of broken relationships or don't want to leave one, they're afraid that they're not going to be loved mm. by somebody else yeah. because they've seen themselves as damaged goods. And I'm not saying that's how she kind of see her, sees herself at all. But I'm saying that there is people that do like think of themselves that way. And I, one of the biggest things I always say is like, you're the daughter of like, you're the princess, you're the daughter of the most high king. And he wants you to be treated right. He wants you to be steward like a princess, you know, and he wants you to um, be with somebody who's going to honor you, respect you, be honest with you, be integral. So I think to that is um, don't let, you know, the don't project the the past into your future. Mm, that's good. Um, don't project that hurt. Don't project that those whatever that guy did to you or whatever that woman did to you. Don't project that onto the next relationship because it, then you're just going to go into like a cycle of um, even victimhood or always being in the state of betrayal. And sometimes it's now you're producing that because you've been hurt and you haven't dealt with those wounds which is why I even think it's, I love what you kind of said is ask yourself why, like it's important to do that work so that you're not projecting that into like future relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, 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 really good. Um, any other thoughts before we close it up? No, I just, uh, in complete, uh, agreement with what you said, that's something that, um, a lot of addicts, when we are going through this process, um, I found out that that response is a very common response of, I just thought it'd go away when I got married. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not the truth, is your problems tend to get amplified because now you're not just dealing with your stuff. You have to deal with their stuff, too. And so those issues tend to um, double. And you can't hide things. Exactly. <laughs> you can't hide things. And so um, one of the statements that my husband did make was, I was afraid that you would have broken up with me. But I think we can, my husband would agree with me, is that a breakup would have been much better than a divorce. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And going back to what Denise said is, um, deal with your stuff now. And if this person that you're dating or you're interested in doesn't accept that baggage, well, then let them go. They're mm -hmm. not for you. And you can find love elsewhere and let that happen. Yes. And make sure you work on yourself. 
Yes, absolutely. Yes. Work on yourself. Don't just, you know, like, well, you can't accept me the way I am. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely not trying to say that. But yeah, absolutely. Like identify the areas that you need to work on. It doesn't have to be addiction. It could just be bad habits. If there's a habit in your life that you don't want to carry on into your marriage, identify that now and start working on it. Yeah. And if you work on it now, you also break off those addictions because it's generational also. So go back to your your bloodline. Like who else had that addiction? Who else is fighting it? Well, because they didn't fight it. They didn't overcome it. Guess what? Now it's your baggage to deal with. And then you're going to have to keep bringing that into your kid's life. And if you can fight it, your children can look and say like, oh, you know, it wasn't that. I mean, it's going to be probably hard for them. It might come up for them. Um, but at least they know that you overcame it. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, okay, you know, my parent did this. I can do it too. Yeah. And then that hopefully will stop in your bloodline, right? And redemption will come in. But a lot of people don't realize that that also comes into marriage. So if you do marry somebody, just make sure, like, let's go back to your, <laughs> your bloodline. <Yeah. laughs> what did your family, you know, what addictions did they fight with? Because I know that that was something that my husband and I talked about on one of our dates, like, what does your family deal with? Okay, well, this is what my family deals with, like, you know, like generations back. back. So that is also going to help out a lot in a marriage because at least you're aware and you're not hiding things, right? Some things, sometimes some people don't know about their family. Mm-hmm. So they don't know everything that they deal with. But when they do find out, they're like, that makes sense, <laughs> right? That makes so much sense. So <laughs> that's just another thing too. Just make sure that when you are dealing with addictions, you also know that it's also generational curses that you're going to be dealing with. And when you do clean yourself, those, um, what, what, what do they call them? The, in self-deliverance, we've talked about them. Those, um, they stay in, like, when you clean the yourself. Squatters. Yes, the squatters. There oh, you go. yeah. The squatters will come back, like, seven times. <laughs> yeah. So it's not easier, right? Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely agree. I love all of this. And... All right, Shekinah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Uh, Definitely a tearjerker. Yes, thank you. You're awesome. (laughs) You're amazing. And we can't wait to see the way that God is going to use this story for his glory. (laughs) Um, As always, thank you for tuning in uh, to In the Vine Dating Podcast. (laughs) Did you forget? I always want to say, who's in the vine? And then when I say that, who's in the vine? I want to say, in the vine dating. Uh, it's, It's a struggle. Pray for me. And on that note, don't forget to pray for your single friends because it's hard out here. Have a good night. See you soon. Bye-bye.